It's your great character today. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Great Character Podcast with me, Harry, Matt Wiley, Nathan Edwards, and now from and now permanently from now on, Lewis Sweeney. He's back, but he's permanent. The transfer's been done, and he's here. How are you guys doing? Transfer deadline day. We had to put that sheet in last minute to get it done by 1am, but it's been done. And it was tight. Done. It was tight. But I just like, to start this, just like to start this podcast off on a solemn note. Breaking news in the last 10 minutes. Really, really sad. Unfortunately, Sir Captain Tom Moore has passed away at the age of 100. And what he's done in the last year the efforts for supporting the NHS, walking around his garden. He's done so much. He, he gave us so much hope last year and he, he's such a hero. And, and to die to this torrid virus, just it's horrible. And I'd just like to say rest in peace to him because what a hero. I mean, I'm, I wasn't expecting him to die. Obviously, he's very old, but it, it's very sad. And I'd just like to start off the podcast with that message, although it's a sad note. Um, but now we move on. So what, something that makes me angry. Nah, I'm joking. But um, we're going to be talking about a lot of things today. And we're starting with VAR. So we'll be starting Again. with VAR and Aston Villa versus Southampton. We'll then move on to the Premier League games and everything a bit like that. What's happening in the league, the, the mismatch at the top, what's all going on. Um, then we'll move on to deadline day yesterday. So we, we're recording this on a Tuesday. So deadline day finished last night at 11. Um, so... We're going to talk all of all the biggest transfers, all the deals on, on a really not a big day compared to a lot of other deadline days. It, it wasn't the biggest of occasion. It wasn't the biggest transfer window, but we all know why. And then we're going to finish finish off with NBA's expertise and the expert in the top left hand corner. If you're watching on YouTube, Matt will be talking about NBA. We'll try and pitch in. We're not the biggest NBA fans, but I know my stuff a bit, sort of. I've watched The Last Dance. Um, on Netflix so so yeah we're going to start off with VAR obviously Lewis you're a Villa fan so you benefited from it this time around I'm fuming personally Liverpool have been affected a lot by VAR decisions this season and the fact that these VAR decisions still so awful for every team pretty much it's happening to everyone the fact that I still can't get over that goal being disallowed. I think the goal being disallowed is worse than the, the penalty shout. Yeah, yeah. Southampton were royally screwed over in that game. What is your opinion? From Villa's perspective, what is your opinion on, on what happened in those 90 minutes? Well, well, I like to think I'm an unbiased Villa fan. I do feel really bad for Southampton. They were royally screwed from the game. Uh, screwed of three points as well. I think they would have gone on to win the game. It's not the best performance we've had all season. Uh I'm happy though. So I think we, we got screwed over by VAR a lot last season. And you could say that obviously the Hawkeye incident sort of made up for it. But I feel like they're still have making up to do, but no more complaints from me. I think they've just pretty much won. VAR has won us three points single handedly. I, I just, I can't, I'm start, I've always been somebody with VAR. I, this season, you guys have known, I've put things in chats. I've, I'm not very happy. I've mentioned it in, in lectures, various lectures. I don't like VAR anymore. I was somebody, I was happy it was coming in. Um, I thought the World Cup, it did a good job. I was excited. I thought it was a, it was a good step, but we I wanted it to be used properly. And even through last season, when a lot of decisions were awful as well, 
like the Firmino armpit one against Aston Villa was one that resonates with me. Even the one people could talk about when the two handballs, Liverpool versus Man City, um, that's very similar to the Matty Cash one, where his arm, Trent's arm was out and it hit the arm off the off the off the leg. Um, well, uh, they the leg though. That's the uh... yeah, <laughs> and. And it's really hard because I was always someone, VAR, we should keep it. But in the right, we need to change the rules and the officials need better training. It needs to be used differently, but in a better way. But now it's it's getting so bad. I'm thinking, I'm even thinking, do we even need VAR anymore? All the players obviously hate it. You've had De Bruyne and Henderson say in the past, they don't even know what the rules are anymore. They really don't like VAR. And then you got Salah the other night, obviously expressing his opinion he doesn't like it strongly. The margins are so small. It's like, I was talking to Matt earlier. It's like they have to, VAR can't be wrong, even though it's wrong all the time. With the, the, the Ings one, so Matty Cash's backside's out. They gave Ings offside from the sleeve. Am I right? It was the fact that his sleeve was out. Number one, <laughs> since when did the rules change for that that part of the arm wasn't handball? Who scores with that part of the arm? Let's be honest. And it was that small of a gap. How can it even be offside? To the naked eye, VAR is always to be correct. It always been to correct errors, obvious errors, clear, clear and obvious errors. errors. Yeah, and it, it isn't clear and obvious, is it? That's what you're saying. When you talk about the fine margin, if you can't see it with the naked eye, yeah. how can you possibly expect the referee to see it the first time? No, they should surely just, well, to be honest, actually, we're talking about this. Southampton's goal was given, if we had, without VAR, it would have been given offside anyway because it was flagged offside incorrectly in my decision, in my, in my opinion, by, by the guy on the, the assistant on the night. But the fact of the matter is that if VAR was used correctly, it would have been overturned to be a goal. But there's a rule in the Netherlands, I think it's the 10 millimetre rule or something, where they give on the screen the striker or the attacker 10 millimetres of, of grey area, which if, if it's within 10 millimetres, the offside, they just give it as a goal or they give their the decision. Yeah, so it's two lines touching, isn't it? The, the, yeah. the lines are 10 millimetres wide and if those lines are touching yeah then it's um d- then it's deemed as it's, it's equivalent to umpires calling cricket it's yeah they're saying yes there's a gray area but there's not enough evidence to overturn it which is brilliant i think yeah i think it's brilliant as well i think var has been used pretty well in the champions league um it's just england that's being used terribly at the moment and that was another the fact that it was that close number one it was his arm that they were going off which i don't think it should be a thing anyway if they're going to do it, it should be off a shoulder in my opinion but i don't even know what the rules are anymore because they change them all the time now um and they were in line nobody can say ings's body was clearly behind mike cash's ass like clearly um <sighs> And people were like you said, Lewis. If it was John McGinn, it be it would be onside. Be but, good, wouldn't um, <laughs> but no, I just think these things are ridiculous. The amount of happened this season. The Mane one against Everton that was onside. The fact that they gave that offside. The Salah versus Brighton. I think arguably the Son one against Liverpool was pretty harsh. That was very close as well. I think that was more obvious than some of these other ones. But that was pretty close. They just they never go dead on the angle for starters. They. They have, it's always at an angle, so you can't clearly see if they're the straight line. And I don't even think the lines are right. Sometimes they're slanted the wrong way and stuff, like I said. I just think VR needs so much change if it's going to work in this league. And that game showed everything that's wrong with it. I personally believe it's, it should have been a penalty. I know there's some people out there that think it's harsh. 
But I think that's a clear, his arms away from his body. I remember a Gomez one, they're changing the handball rule all the time. But a Gomez one against City, where he was moving his arm away in a natural position, but they gave it handball. They didn't give this one handball. It is, it's so baffling. It, it baffles me. You, you said it was handball, didn't you, Lewis? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No more, mate. I think it should have been a red card as well because he denied a goal-scoring opportunity. It was a goal. I think that would have yeah, been 100%. Like, I think it doesn't help. The referees are getting worse. They're getting worse game by game. And I think it's because they're scared to make mistakes. I was watching Arsenal Man U and it's one of the worst refereeing performances I've watched all season. Was even the PGSMOL, is that... Oh, I, I, can't, I probably butchered that. That might not even be right. But one of the... PGMOL. Yeah, that's it. They've come out admitted how much I hate United against the Sheffield in the Sheffield United that game. They've come out and now admitted after the VAR decisions, the Sheffield United goal shouldn't have stood, and that the United goal should have stood. The one that Maguire got in the way of the keeper. It's a bit like last year when Van Dijk apparently obstructed De Gea um, when he, they were going for an equal 50-50 and De Gea wasn't strong enough and Van Dijk won it, or Van Dijk or De Gea only punched it away. That's not a foul. But they gave it. It's like they're not consistent. If they were consistently wrong, fair enough, I guess. But they're not consistent at all. Every decision is irrational and different. And it, it's don't, don't, don't give an idea, have it? Huh? If they're consistently wrong, don't give an idea. <laughs> no, yeah. But I just think it comes to a point where do we need VAR in the league? Because it was meant to come in to, to change all of this, this debate, all these issues. And it's just created a hatred in the country, I think. And a lot of people are hating VAR. And it's mainly the officials that run it because VAR has to work in other sports, for starters, other countries, in football. Why isn't it working in England? That is the question. Why is it the officiating so poor? What is wrong with the rules? They're changing them all the time. Like the, the whole Aston Villa Man City goal, that was a farce, but they shouldn't change that rule midway through the season. Because now if somebody scores a goal and it's now ruled offside, that defeats the whole... Because then Man City have got an advantage from the fact that they scored that goal a few weeks ago. They might have gone on to draw that game nil-nil with Villa if they didn't, they didn't score because of that. But they scored from that and they won the game. They won the game 2-0. But it could have been completely different. They would have dropped two points. The league would look different. And by the end of the season, it can be a different outcome. They should have kept the same rule throughout the whole season. I agree with Mourinho on that. What do you guys think about that? Keep the rules the same in the season and change them at the end because it needs a drastic change. Yeah, I mean, it's not... Personally, I don't know if I'm going to get slaughtered for this, but I didn't think there was much wrong with the goal, if I'm honest. I know I've got a Villa fan here, but... It's like when... I think haven't Villa benefited from this in the past with Dion Dublin. Um, that's years ago, but that's yeah, years ago, yeah. But he was behind Shea Given. Shea Given put the ball down, and he was behind him, and he came and stole him and scored the goal. And people accepted that, didn't they? It's not very sporting, but does it need changing? I don't know. I I think it does because Rodrigo was miles offside, and yeah, I mean, if Mings left that ball, it would go to Rodrigo be offside. Yeah, but because he went for the ball and got it wrong. Rodrigo can then come back into play. I think that's unfair because he can easily nip round and nick the ball. I think, I think that's unfair in my in my opinion. Yeah, it's not uh, very, it's I, not very I, sporting. It's not very same with the whole. It's a bit different, but the Lovren one a couple of years ago, 
but the wrong the wrong thing about that wasn't I reckon fair enough given a penalty. Liverpool fans might slate me for that as well. Lovren went for the ball, he missed it. Kane nicked it off him, was offside. Yeah, it is wrong. I think the Rodrigo one was a lot worse. But um, the problem with that one, if you remember, there's a clip of John Moss and the linesman. Neither of them know if it's a penalty, if he touched it, and they just guessed. And I feel like that's that's why... If it, I just think the problem is the rules. The rules that are in place are poor. They're changing all the time. They're not great. They need changing, and the structure needs changing. But the officials that are enforcing them are just as bad. And that's why we're in this predicament where all these decisions are going wrong. What do you think on the subject, Nathan? Oh, I just can't be honest. It's just crap, yeah. I'm just bored of it. <laughs> like every game, it's just a stupid call. And you know, it's just like, I'd rather human error because at least then like, you can kind of understand why they made a mistake. Whereas with VAR, like, it's meant to go rid of it, but it doesn't. It just gets even more annoyed. There's a thing last season everybody was calling for the... For, um, referees to go to a screen and make their own decision on things because it was like VAR were basically making the decision for them. And this season when they started going to screen, I was, I was happy. But then I noticed the pattern. Every time they go to a screen, it's always changed. Always. I don't actually think they're making that. They're listening to what's in their ear still. And I don't think that they have the bollocks to actually change the decision I genuinely believe that. It's only happened a couple of times. Mariner stuck with his decision with the Fabinho tackle against Fulham for that whole penalty drama. I don't think it was a penalty. A lot of people thought it was a penalty. Um, but Mariner stuck to his decision. Not many referees have the balls to do that, which is proving how technically they're always wrong. Um, uh, but I don't think they are always wrong. And then the, these... VAR getting in their head. They're not alone anymore. I think I was speaking about it recently. You might as well just have VAR as the referee, no human people referees on the pitch, and just have a hooter every time there's a foul and VAR make the decision. <laughs> Obviously, I'd never want that to happen, but that's effectively what we've got right now. The referee's meaningless half the time. The well, I know it's useless as well. I don't actually see the point in lines anymore besides a throwing, but they're always clear. But it's the whole Rashford one the other day against United. He was always offside, but the amount of times that the guy wouldn't put the flag up till after the move, when they're that obvious, it's ridiculous. Um, and then there was the the whole thing that sometimes they don't put the flag up even though they're offside, but thirty a minute, a minute and a half later, a team might have kept the ball because of that offside and they might score. Because it's so many passages of play earlier, it won't get ruled offside, which I think is ridiculous as well. I don't know. If, they, if they carry on, and the player injures himself and they go, oh, but it was offside. He's like, I've just carried on playing, injured myself and he counts for nothing. So, it's in danger think, players as well. That's so much wrong. I could talk about officiating for hours. I, I think it's so poor and so much needs changing. I don't then, think there's one good referee in the prep. Uh, I can't think of one. Maybe Michael Oliver. He's all I right. Used to every other Oliver. one's rubbish. I think Michael Oliver before VAR was clear. Yeah, I think he was good. Very good. But since VAR, he's been just as dodgy as some of the other ones. John Moss. Someone doing the Arsenal Man U game and it was shocking. John Moss, that was, I'm pretty sure. I think I. I... It was, yeah, because. Uh, wait, no. I know he did the Liverpool game because someone said Shakiri has the body of uh, John Moss. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know, there's so many problems with it. Um, yeah. 
but I think, yeah, I'm still on the side of maybe, yeah, keep it, but change the officiating, change the rules and make it work. Um, but I'm edging closer to getting rid of it completely on that side because it's just making a mess and mockery. I prefer human error. Yeah, I understand. Like it's just more understandable. I think, because I think the hard thing is goal line technology, bar oh. the Villa Sheffield United one, bar that, goal line technology is coming and rarely made an error if apart from that one I don't think it has in the Premier League it's not relied on humans is it normally it's just yeah, so oh, it's, it's not so, it's, it's so good and then VAR yes or no whereas this is a subjective I was I was hoping VAR would come in and be similar to goal line technology and, and we it would end debates but it hasn't uh, but I think now we should move on because Aston Villa Michael Oliver was the ref for the uh, Manu Arsenal game by the way what? Michael Oliver was the ref for the Man Arsenal game. <laughs> was he? Oh, no. Maybe John Moss was the one for the Liverpool-West Ham then. He was. Yeah. Um, but now, Aston Villa got the three points in the end. European places. Lots going on. I will pull up the Premier League table now. I think the Premier League table has had a big change over the last few games in, in the Premier League. The last week has changed a lot of things. So you now have Liverpool, my beloved Liverpool. So we were talking last week, Liverpool in crisis. Matt rightly <laughs> said we're not in crisis. And we go and beat Spurs 3-1 away and West Ham 3-1 away. We're third, one point off United, four points off Man City. And if we beat them next week, one point, but they have a game in hand. The Premier League changes like that. It, it's, it's crazy. I feel like we'll have this conversation this week and it will change again next week. And the table can be completely different. So you've got Villa and ninth, which I don't get how they're that low because it seemed like they were winning all the time. Reese, as yeah, they've got like twenty games in hand, haven't they? Yeah, and then well, they haven't anymore. They're on nineteen games, so they've only got two games in hand now. Um, but anyway, Villa ninth, they get, and with Everton eighth, they're easily in the hunt for the for the Europa League, Champions League places at the end of the season. Now, the top four starting to form itself naturally now, especially the top three with City, United, Liverpool. I think Leicester will fall off. Pardon? I think Leicester will fall off again. They're showing evidence of that. I've always said in the past, Brendan Rodgers is a great manager with no pressure. Last season, he proved it. Leicester was smashing it until it came to the pressure of making Champions League, bottled it, they're in the Europa League. And they've lost Jamie Vardy. Yeah, he's coming back now, I think. I think he's fit for the next game. But... Leicester look like they're suddenly struggling again and they have these moments where they look class for a few weeks and then they struggle and I think they could still make top four uh, but it depends on how Tuchel does with Chelsea really because if Tuchel goes on a run with Chelsea they'll make top four comfortably so Tottenham are the ones that they're just without without, awful they're awful and um but the top three's formed itself now. I, I think they'll be the three challenging, but I think City are in a great position now. If they win their game in hand, seven points clear. They, and if they beat us or get a draw next weekend, I mean, I can't really look past them. But I think if Liverpool get a run together, like I know Liverpool can, and now we've signed a couple of centre-backs, we'll talk about that later. Liverpool will be in the mix again. Um, it's just suddenly weird. It's like Alexander-Arnold said it though. He said they don't. he doesn't think they've changed that much. They've just got the first goal and, and now op- teams have opened up from the fact that Liverpool are now getting the first goal. So against Tottenham, we scored just before half-time. Second half got another one. Tottenham did get one back, but they the g- whole game stretched open. 
And Liverpool, when that happened, were always, always going to win that game. And it's West Ham sat back, sat back, sat back. Salah got the goal. They then they then put, pushed forward a bit, got their corner, bang two 0 and suddenly Liverpool are taking control of the game. And the confidence, the aura, the the mentality monsters are back in a way. I'm going to sound so biased saying that, but I've, that's what I got from that. What do you guys think about the rest of the results? Though? So United lost and then drew. Um, so they've dropped uh, five points. Uh, Leicester have lost and drew. West Ham then lost to Liverpool. Tottenham dropped, uh, lost two in a row. Chelsea have now won and look, look a lot better and, and City have run away with it. What, what are you thinking about the top, the top six, top ten situation right now? Chelsea getting top four, 200%. Uh, oh. What, Nathan? What's I have to say? <laughs> what did you say? I missed that. Chelsea getting top four, 200%. 200%. Yeah. You're a very different man to th- two weeks ago. Yeah. It's just, it was so good. It was just enjoyable to watch. I'm saying this and people can roast me. It's only Burnley. I know Liverpool lost to them. Burnley have been decent recently. They have. They beat Villa in midweek. But I, I don't know. I, I still am not convinced yet. I think Tuchel needs to show a bit more. It can't surely be two games. But I found it interesting how he just dropped Ziyech completely out of the squad, didn't he? Chilwell is off and then Alonso on the bench. It's like the Conte system's back. So you've got Alonso left wing back, Aspilicueta as a centre-back in a three. And then Hudson-Odoi looks like he, he will... Be a, a main star. He, he wants to build a team around that bloke. It looks like we're well, not around. It him. is suited for him though. Like just yeah. running from deep for players and crossing, shooting. Like he's got it all. I guess if Werner gets firing, Chelsea will be a threat. I don't think he just needs a bit of luck. Werner, like the one when he completely missed the ball from a Hudson Odoi cross. Yeah, he just he needs a bit of luck. Like, just like a keeper yeah. mistake or something. And then he it'll be fine. Doesn't have the form right now. Um, I could see Chelsea making top four. What do you guys think of you talking about Leicester? The Leicester drop off. What what's happening there? Leeds suddenly beaten three one. They they draw draw Everton after controlling the game, in my opinion. Where where yeah, do they? Go? I didn't see the Everton game, but I've read the reports, and uh, I think they were. Uh, I think Everton were definitely second best, weren't they? I think Leicester, by all accounts, should have won that game. Um, they've got what you might refer to as one of the easier tasks this weekend. They've got to, uh, it's away, but they're playing Fulham. Um, one of the teams that are almost certain to go down, if you ask me. I mean, I know that's not much so. of a hot take when you look at the table. Uh, the, the, three, the three teams in the relegation zone are going down. I think we've known that for a while. Um, oh, I'm not sure. I've, I've got a point to make on that. I thought West Brom would get up. No, I think Fulham will stay up. I think no, West I Brom. Fulham have this shown, a big gap, I can't man. deny, Fulham have shown in recent weeks that if they get them start getting results, they're a good enough team, they play good enough football to stay up in this league. There's no one else. They're like, they're like they're like Brighton though, but Brighton are a bit better at what they do. Like They sometimes yeah. just get more results. Whereas West Brom, West Brom can grind out results against people like Fulham and I'm Brighton. Gonna, I'm gonna I think they can get up. I'm going to throw a name in the hat. Sam Gollings, Jack Heather, if you do watch Ooh, this. Wolves are getting sucked in, right? You say that, 23 points, 14th in the league. They've lost a lot of games. They have lost 10 games this season. They're not playing good football by any stretch. They have Arsenal and Leicester next. And then Southampton, then Leeds. Okay. So if they lose those, Brighton, they're two... 
they are okay. They're nine points above the relegation zone. Two points. Two points above Brighton. They're nine points above the relegation zone. But I don't think you can count them or Newcastle out yet. I think I don't. I want Newcastle. Win. They're so boring to watch. Besides, they did win like two 0 But normally they're so crap. But so nobody thinks that Wolves are even a pot. So you're just discounting them no completely. No, not a They won't even be in a battle. You don't even no. think they'll be in a battle. Not a chance. I don't I, think there'll be much of a battle, honestly. The, the, the three teams that are currently in the relegation zone, and I do apologise to any fans of these teams. That's you, that's you, Simo. I do. Simo. <laughs> but I just think I cannot see any other eventuality than the three teams that are currently mm. in the relegation I think West Brom can stay up. I don't know why. I, I was thinking that, but then... I They're think that so game... Bad. The result at the game. There won't be a battle. The result with the game against Fulham was interesting because Fulham showed in the first half that they are very can play great football. Yes, it's against West Brom. Then West Brom came back. They need to get the grit of an Allardyce team that they don't have yet. Once they get that identity, Allardyce said they're struggling to find that identity and he's struggling to get through with them. He might need a couple of seasons there. He might, I reckon he could sacrifice going down with this West Brom team to make them good enough to come up and stay up, maybe. Um, I could be wrong there. I just think the people you've signed just suit it how he plays perfectly. Like, Snodgrass. Maitland-Niles, you think, suits the way West Brom No, nah, but like Snodgrass, he will get you a couple of goals from pieces. Like, what's his name? Who's the centre-back called? Oh, the... the what is there? He's going against Liverpool. Oh, a giant... Yeah. Yeah, he, him, are, him and Robert Snodgrass. Um, Nathan, you're cutting out a bit there, mate. I'm yeah, sorry. Your connection's a bit rough. Your connection's oh, a bit rough. Damn it. All right. Um, but wait, we'll go from now. So, Nathan, you think Ajayi is is a great defender? Do you? I just think he can score a lot of goals. Well, he's only scored. Two. I think I think the problem is he, he can't score. The, you look you look at the, the amount that West Brom is shipping as well. What you were saying, Harry, about um, the identity of a Sam Allardyce team. The Sam Allardyce team don't concede a lot, do they? I, I would agree that they're certainly lagging behind in that because of the fact that they concede. You know, I think it's about four games this season where they've shipped five goals at home, haven't they? I also want to point out what you were saying about. Uh, Allardyce, if they, if he sacrifices them going down, I think if West Brom go down, Sam Allardyce will leave because he's never been relegated. Has he? He's never been relegated from the Premier League. Imagine he leaves two games ball. before he the end of the it. season. He walks he two games. He might, but if you ask me, that ain't happening. And once they go down, yeah. But what's if if leave. it looks like they're gonna go down, he's lost his record. Why can't he stay there and stick it out? Because he just he walks. Not right something he'd do. He knew the risk. Of, of coming to West Brom as such a poor team that what could happen? Like, this was the worst team he's taken on, in my opinion, ever. He wants a challenge. Of course he does, but... Um... Yeah, but did he did he really think... So he just thinks he's going to do six months and save them. Did he really yeah. think that? Of course he does. I don't think he did. You I, have I... to believe that in football, don't you? You have to believe it. It's it partly even turning up if you don't think they can't be saved. Well, I know. I know that. But so he thought though eight or eight months was all he needed, and if they don't, if they go down, he wants to leave. I, I think that just 
I, I hate, I don't like Sam Allardyce personally. Yes, fair enough. He's made teams escape. But if he leaves West Brom after making his signings for what we've got, uh, 17 games left in the season. So he, I don't know. I just can't see West Brom. There's no chance West Brom is staying up. I think, United I think they're more likely to stay up than Fulham. No, I think Sheffield United and, and Fulham have way more of a chance than West Brom do. Sheffield United, if if they get a string of games together, won't they won't stay up. No, I'm not saying they're staying up, by the way. But they'll definitely get closer to that barrier. They won't they won't get they'll they'll finish on like twenty something points. I think. Just on Sheffield United, what you were saying, the fact that um, if they can get a run together, they did um maybe start what you might consider a bit of a run. I know they lost to Man City. Um but only now really, right, so, but um, they, they started that run, as it were, by beating Man United. And I know that I said a couple of episodes ago, there's absolutely no way that Man United will win will win the league. Didn't I, did I even bet you, Harry, 50 quid that Man United will not win the league? I, yeah. I hadn't expected that they would... I, I always thought they'd drop off. I hadn't expected that they'd drop off quite so soon after I said that. It was literally because we we I watched them against United, against Liverpool, and yes, we batted them. In the in the FA Cup, in my opinion, um, we played them off the park, but they got the result Spells. again, and that's what they've been doing all season. Um, they've been getting the result, and then the last week it's like that stopped. They've played as badly, but they they just they. I guess in the end, I should have seen it from this view. It was going to bite them in the bum in the end, and it is biting them now, uh, conceding first to Sheffield United. I don't think. But don't tell me when they equalised, anybody thought Sheffield would go and score another. I know I didn't. I no, I don't think anyone did, did they? No, 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 no. But yes, I admit my mistake, but it's still not over. It's not over. It's not over. So I don't want United to win it. I don't want them to do well. I hope they carry on losing and drawing games, to be honest, and go for a run like Liverpool did a few weeks ago. Oh, recently. It was, it was more of a one-way bet, wasn't it? It was more me saying, I am so confident. It's not, I don't know, did you genuinely think that they were going to win it? It was just me saying, I am so confident that they're not going to win it. Hmm. You I were just, a bit more, they might do. Yeah, and well, yeah, I think now, the reason we delayed this podcast up today, guys, is the deadline day, which wasn't actually that exciting, if if I'm truly honest. As a Liverpool fan, it's the most exciting it's been in years because we normally get our business, either don't do any or get it done really early. Um and so we didn't have to think about deadline day, but the madness of Matip, unfortunately, somehow getting a season-ending injury from the tackle he made. It was literally brilliant tackle from when Son was running through and he turned, he got his foot in and turned them off. But he didn't look like anything happened. And Klopp said they strapped his foot up ready to come out for the second half, but it just blew up like a balloon. And the luck, number one, you couldn't rely on Matip anyway. So we needed to get these centre-backs in, even if he was going to come back before the end of the season. But all four of our centre-back options are out. And our three actual centre-backs, our main centre-backs we went into the season, all got season-ending injuries. If anybody actually thinks you can win the league on that, or thinks Liverpool will be rubbish if we don't win the league, is it's a joke. Because, And I don't think people at half-time, or, or people have been pinning a Liverpool's slowness on Thiago, which I still don't understand, because I think Thiago's let it take over and he's playing in a team with half like the midfield he's playing in it wouldn't be the midfield if our if our players were fit 
and he's getting used to the football again. And he, he has bursts of brilliant moments and people are forgetting that. Um, and people pinning it on that is just a joke. We've lost our three main centre-backs. Fabinho's injured. Henderson's playing centre-back with Nat Phillips, who Nat Phillips is really impressed, by the way. He looked good. People yeah. think, if people go, oh, Liverpool rubbish for not retaining their title, with the amount of injuries and the amount of problems we've had this season, I, I think they're just out of touch, really. You, need, you know what you need to do? You need to put, whoever wins it, you need to put a little asterisk next to them and say, because Liverpool had all the centre-backs yeah, in. Obviously, if, if anyone beats us to it, they deserve it. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying people shouldn't slag us off if we don't win it. Like Liverpool fans shouldn't expect us to win the league this season because we've got lots of issues. But with those two centre-back signings, I'm not like every Liverpool fan that's going, oh my God, I'm really happy or I'm really annoyed. Like It seems like there's two extremes. Like Somebody's like really happy, even though they've never watched Davis or Kabak play in their life. I've never watched them. But they're, or they're really annoyed because they're really low-level players, people think they are. Because Kabak's from a Schalke that's won once in 33, 34 games. And Ben Davis is from Preston. What people are forgetting, Klopp is known for doing this. Robertson, relegated with Hull. Wijnaldum, relegated with Newcastle. Shakiri relegated with Stoke. He buys these players. He always has. He always will. And I, Davis, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm more confident in Davis becoming a top Liverpool player than Kabak. Because... Ball playing centre-back, left-sided. Yes, we've got Van Dijk. So he's not going to play once Van Dijk's back. There we go. I mean, you never know. We could partner him in the future. Who knows? But I'm more confident in him building Davis up to being a Premier League top centre-back than Kabak. Number one, because we've got Kabak for six months and we don't know if we're keeping him because it's depending on his performance. I think Kabak will come in and do a better job than Davis. Could be wrong. Come back to this podcast, I can be completely wrong. Kabak is more proven in top leagues. Uh, but I thought also thought Merson having a go at Liverpool signing Kabak and saying his agent deserves a knighthood because he plays for Schalke. Kabak's not the reason Schalke are playing poorly. Kabak's meant to be good. I swear loads of teams want him. Huh? I swear loads of teams want him come back, like AC Milan, Juventus. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure he's meant to be quite good. It's easy to look at this Schalke team this season, but everyone forgets that Kabak was one of the most highly rated young centre-backs in Europe and he was one of the breakout stars of the Bundesliga obviously last season yeah. and the coup for what 18 million Roy's in the 26 but if if we get him for uh, it's a one an, it's one million loan fee and then an extra yeah. 500k if we win the Champions or get qualification for the Champions League and, or win it or win the Premier League or something and they get an extra 500k just, and then I think if Kabak leads us to winning the Premier League playing centre-back he'll get signed but I I think Liverpool, this is a stop. I think you're saying anyway, it's absolutely shocking. It's not, it's not an obligation to buy. That was one of the main parts of the deal was the fact that they didn't want obligation because they didn't mm. know they wanted to keep him. It's just like a test period. Six months, if we do it, we've got the agreement in place to buy him. But if he's not good enough, we just won't get him. But I think Liverpool holding out to try and get Upper Meccano for his release clause in the summer. Really. I think you're going to buy him. Yeah, probably because Bayern just buy from all the little, all the. Leverkusen leaving. Oh, the little German club. They are a little German club. They are. I'm sorry, they were formed in 2009. I don't care. Don't like well. They're still a small club. They've not exactly got loads of history, have they? So no, I mean. Man United that one time earlier this season. That will do for me. Yeah, and hopefully we smack them. But... Yeah. Is it? Semi-finals last year. Huh? 
They got to the semi. I think they got. Do they semi? Yeah. They got to the semi final. I think it was yeah. semi. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because they beat Atletico in the round of sixteen. Or did they got not? Oh, I can't remember. But Leipzig are a good team. Anyway, again, we're getting away from the deadline day theme here. But um. Yeah, Leipzig are a good team. Hopefully, we knock them out. But in regards to the signings for Liverpool, I'm happy we finally got the business done. It's obvious that getting two centre backs that Matic's injury was serious. Unfortunately, it was the rest of the season, which is our luck. Um, but if the I don't think we'll see Davis and Kabak play together, or at least not for a while. Not for a while. It will be like another month. I I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if Kabak can play tomorrow is it or Thursday I think we're tomorrow I don't think Kabak can play against Brighton Davis can I don't think we'll see Davis with Phillips either I think it will be Phillips and Henderson still centre back but Davis will come in I think Kabak will come into the team before Davis does though um, yeah I think that's fair to say yeah yeah. Matt, who do you think will be better Kabak or Davis who do you think will be a better sign is that me Matt Matt oh. Oh, I thought you were talking to Harris, sorry, mate. Uh, what did I say? I can't remember what I said. Matt, who do you think is going to be a better signing, Kabak or Davis? Well, I think, I mean, when you look at um, the fact that Kabak was already at Schalke and in the uh, in, in the Bundesliga and therefore in a, um, in a top division, yes, I know Schalke weren't doing very well, but if he's had that experience, again, some of the best already, he might be quicker to adapt. So I would then, be I think inclined to lean towards him. I with the championship though, I think Watkins proves it. A lot of the championship like Mope and, and ones that have come into the Premier League. Oh it's not to say that the championship yeah, I know I know I know championship at all. It's a brilliant league. I love but it. Being a centre back in the championship and actually playing out of the back in the championship means he's a good footballer. I oh, think yeah. no, I'm, not, I'm, not he's, he's, I'm not doubting he's a good footballer not at all. No no no. Um yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm putting devil's advocate out there a bit. Uh, uh, Davis, I reckon, could, he's obviously, Klopp's seen something in him. He's a ball-playing centre-back on the left-hand side. Championship's not an t- easy league. It's arguably tougher than the Premier League in the fact that the a whole championship is a really, really tough league, especially to get out of. Well, I saw, I saw Davis play when you were saying I hadn't seen Davis. I, I saw Davis when Bandley played Preston, actually, when I was at Bandley. What was your opinion on that, then? I can't say I had an opinion. He didn't do anything too spectacular. Uh, Barnsley won 2-1. Um, so he didn't, he didn't do anything too spectacular. Ooh. But certainly for the first half, he looked solid. So okay. I I think um, with that, though, you, you, with people going, oh, Kabak and Davis aren't from the biggest teams, but they're coming in into a defence where you've got Robbo and Trent either side of you. It's a bit exactly. different from having who they did have. So it's not like they're and, and under the coaching, it's a different way of playing as well. They're gonna they'll probably be used to sitting deep and soaking up pressure where they're gonna be taught to sit high. Uh they won't have to do loads of defending. Uh, it's gonna be very different for them. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they adapt. The next big one, I think there's two main transfers I want to talk about. Firstly, we spoke about him earlier a bit. Ainsley making the Niles to West Brom. That shocked me. I was not expecting that. Obviously, Leicester, he turned down the chance to go to Leicester. Um, he wants to play at West Brom. I think he's a very talented player, very talented footballer, and Arsenal will miss out on it. It's only a loan, I think, to start with. We'll see what happens. But that's a big coup for West Brom. I think it's 
I think he decided to go to West Brom so he can play midfield. That's what I saw. I get Leicester, he would have played right back probably, but he wants to have a career in midfield. So I think that's why he's gone to West Brom. Mm. I think. And I think fair play. I think it'll be good. A lot of. A I lot think they'll stay up. <laughs> a lot of right backs have formed from midfielders, Trent included. But I think I don't get why it's such an unattractive thing for Ainsley Maitland-Niles because he had a chance at Arsenal to pin right back down. Didn't play at the top club. He wasn't bad at the position. I don't think. Is he that good at being a midfielder? I watch. Yeah, I watch Arsenal quite a lot. I watch them pretty much week in, week out. They're sort of that neutral team that I follow. Yeah. So I talk about them. And Matt knows in that nine months where Bellerin was out with an ACL injury, I think he was quite impressive at right back. And even this season, a lot of people would rather see him play in that position over Bellerin because Bellerin hasn't had his best year. But he's got this strange obsession with wanting to play as a, as a box-to-box midfielder. But no Arsenal fan sees him in that position long term and the situation was Arsenal didn't want to loan him out to Leicester because they're considered direct rivals now uh, his agent buggered up the Southampton move so West Brom was sort of the last resort but he's got this strange playing style that if you're watching he walks around the pitch like he's high he's always jogging and strolling about it's mental so he is What's that? he's a cool dude like the way he takes penalties yeah yeah calm isn't he like, I remember like when that. he wore a chain in the Europa League game the once and he had to take his like old chain off <laughs> no I didn't oh, really? yeah yeah but I just he, think... he, he's not an Aladolis looking player but <laughs> definitely not he's going to be he playing with people work. like work. I reckon he's going to get frustrated he, I reckon he's yeah. he'll think he's too good for West Brom absolutely and he's going to get frustrated with he'll play balls or do different things the play, his players around him won't be good enough to do um, yeah. Rather than having a Baumyang or who hasn't actually been that good this season, or mm. okay, Saka and players like that around him, Emil Smith Rowe, he's going to have players that can't do these things around him. So I think he's going to. He just wants to prove himself at midfield. So like, if he does yeah. do well, it's going to be good for him. But like, he'd never get into the Arsenal team for some reason because is his Arsenal career no, at the right back because Mikel Arteta loves Bellerin for some reason, even though some games he's absolutely shocking. Yeah, is, uh, is his Arsenal career over? I think so. He does, I think. Like it is because uh, he was playing left wing back for Arsenal. Remember in the FA Cup final and the semi final. Now Arteta decided Cedric's going to be a backup left back, which bewilders me. So I think he wanted him sold at the start of the season. Remember to Wolves, and I don't think he's done himself many favours over the last six sort of months and proved why he should stay. So. Yeah, I think it's over for him pretty much. Arteta's quite cutthroat, you know. He is one of the freezing players out. I've noticed that. Um, yeah. A bit like Mourinho in that aspect. But he doesn't really... He's, he's not very vocal on it. But Cedric, actually... I think Cedric's been good since he's come in for Arsenal. Pretty good, yeah. Like, she one of those passes the other day, the cross field, against Southampton. Um, just yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I think Arsenal are a funny one. They look... They look like they could be a good team and they keep giving evidence that they could be, but then they they sometimes then just go for a poor and a four. I mean, the abuse William gets isn't warranted but at any stretch. He wasn't even that bad against Man U. All my Arsenal friends have said he was crap. I thought he was all right. I thought I, I thought was, that was one of William's best performances in our yeah. shirt. 
bar the Fulham one at the start of the season. Like he came on, he changed a lot of it. Like he changed, he like he came on a couple of attacking. Yes, he should have put his foot through that chance. I think everybody admits that. Yes, he should have. He doesn't look like he's that bothered about playing for Arsenal, but he did play all right. Like that one of the balls in. I can't remember where. Oh, I don't know. We dragged it's it. Back. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just want to hate him. him. Like troops, absolutely goes mental. That must be an act. But then I do think Saka. <laughs> I think Erdegaard will have to see how he does. But Smithrow, uh, Saka, Martinelli, all these youngsters are the future, and then should start for Arsenal week in week out. Definitely. Well, you saw the improvement in their performance. Um, Chelsea, it was against Chelsea, wasn't it? When he, he made, uh, Asseta made all those changes and he, he went with youth, he, he went with the like of Saka and Smith Rowe and he brought them all in. And it could have been a risk, but it paid off. But it's always the case that bringing youth in, I think the problem that Arsenal were facing, the Alan Shearer said this on Match of the Day, they've lost that desire. Youngsters will always give you 110%. They might not be technically good enough yet, but they will always give you that desire. And if that's the only thing that Arsenal are lacking, then, yeah, there's every chance they push up now, yeah. They, they, they got a, they, there was their transfer window was more outgoings, wasn't it? Um, but talking about ingoings now, and that's King going to Everton. So there's a lot of rumours he's going to Fulham. Not played loads for Bournemouth this season. Didn't actually play that well in the Premier League last season. What do you think about this move? My my cousin, who's an Everton fan. Um, said this is a six months, this, the end of his form of contract is this summer. So he's got six months, basically, with the loan fee to prove himself. And if he does well, they'll sign him as a free agent at the end of the season. What do you think about this move? Is this good for his career? Do you think he should have chose Fulham over Everton? Do you reckon he'll get into this Everton side? What do you think? I think it's a good move. I, I like it. I think um, I think it's a good move for Everton. They're getting... Yeah, he, he hasn't had the greatest past 18 months, but he's proven at the Premier League level he can score goals in the Premier League. We've seen that. He's done that for Bournemouth. Uh, they've paid what I nom- described it as a nominal fee um, because obviously it would have just left for nothing, wouldn't it, because he yeah. wants to a new deal with Bournemouth. I think it's a good move for him going to Everton because now I suppose yes, there's a chance that um, he's not going to play as much, but if he does play, if he, if he is given that chance, and you would have to think that he will be given that chance, you know, they're not just going to sign him up and not play him. If, if he is given that chance and he can prove himself, then he is guaranteed to stay in the Premier League. Whereas with Fulham, if he was given the chance, even if he was given the chance and proved himself, the rest of the team aren't good enough. I mean, we've already said this, have dismissed Fulham out of hand, but Fulham are going down. So I think for him, obviously it's a big if, it's a little word with a big meaning, he can... Uh, as long as he does prove himself at Everton, then he's back on his feet as a Premier League striker. And he is a Premier League striker, he's proved it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think he is definitely a Premier League calibre. Um, I, I fans I, wanted him all summer as well. So, could he's versatile as well? He plays on the left, goes down the middle. I think he's a perfect Premier League striker for a top six club, which Everton have looked me. I, I just want to go back to your Fulham point again. Do you not think, though, so they've got Adam Ola-Lukman. They've got mm. Anguisa, who's a great midfielder in my eyes. Very good. Um, Loftus-Cheek has his moments. Uh, Cavalero's all right. If they stuck King in that team, that team could stay up, do you not think? No. Do you not think that? 
you don't think there's any chance that even with King in that team, with the front line of King, Loftus-Cheek, uh, Luckman, and then you've got Anguissa behind, you don't think there's any any chance they could stay up? Obviously, he's not moved there. Obviously, he hasn't. But even if he did, you're saying he's just going to a team that's going down. You, you, yeah, I mean... You can't, maybe, maybe I'm being a little bit hasty in the fact that you can't dismiss it out of hand. I'll give you that. But I just think when when you come up, as, as when you come up to the Premier League, if you're going to stay up, you need to have that solid. You, you need you need to play ugly, and that's why Sam Allardyce has been good at keeping teams up. You need to play ugly. You need to be a bit physical. You need to have a very very solid strong backline, and you need to pump it forward. And Fulham don't do that. Fulham Fulham are like Brighton. I think you were saying this Nathan earlier. Where you Fulham play like Brighton and they, they try and play nice pathy pathy football, and they try. And, the problem is with that when you come up against. 13 out of the uh, 17, 13, 14 out of the 17 Premier League teams that were already there, they do it better than you. And so they rip you apart. It's like Manchester City against Fulham. They play similar style. Manchester City do it 10 times better. So they just rip you apart. And while they're ripping you apart, they give you goal difference to Pastine as well, which can often be crucial in a relegation fight. I just think when you look at the table, they they are not going to make that point difference up. You say that teams, I agree, teams like Burnley have been successful, but they exactly. look at teams like Wolves came up, they have better players. By the way, these teams have better players in Fulham, I'm not saying that. Wolves came up, passed it around, were like that, were good. Villa came up, scraped up, but they played that kind of football in a way as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brighton play that kind of football. Leeds this season play that kind of football. They're going to stay up. I don't think the method is just pump it up and have a good back line. It's not, no, it's not, it's not an absolute rule, but I do think, you know, I'd, Le- Leeds are probably the, I mean, you know, I've got, I've got a dad who supports Halifax Town and a mum who supports Sheffield Wednesday. Leeds are right in the middle of it, and so I'm no fan of Leeds at all, and they've just kind of torpedoed, torpedoed my argument a little bit here, but I do think you do still need that solid defence, and you know, you talk about Brighton playing that patty patty football. They do play that, and they stayed up. But you know, you look at who they've got. They've got Webster at the back. They've got Dunk. They've got this solid defensive core, and that is what you need. And I just I think, think Fulham haven't got that. I think Fulham could have that in Anderson. He's a solid centre back, and I think Fulham at the start yeah. kicked themselves in the foot. If Fulham had a better start, they'd have a good chance of staying up. Because in the last 15, 10, no, not fifteen is too many, but like ten to twelve games, Fulham have had a good fight against teams like United, Chelsea. They drew with us. They've beat Leicester away. They prove against the top teams. They can give it. They can give it the big ends a bit. Uh, so I don't know. I, maybe I've got my faith in Fulham just because I've predicted them to stay up at the start of the season. But my faith could be in the wrong place. I just I I think Fulham are good enough. I don't know why. And I could get not that we get any comments or anyone even talks to us about this podcast, but. People might think my opinion is completely ludicrous, but I just think Fulham could be good enough. Anyway, again, I've distracted us from what we were talking if it was about. Closer. If, if the battle was closer, I would not be as final and hardline as I'm being. But it's just the fact that I don't think they can make that difference up.
Hi guys, we're back. Sorry, we just had a few technical difficulties there with Nathan Meaning and he had to go. So we're back now talking about transfers. We, I've waffled on a bit, uh, mainly because I don't think that much has happened in this transfer window that's that interesting. Um, one of the ones that, on from a Liverpool standpoint and Southampton standpoint, we always talk about them in transfers. Minamino's gone on loan to Southampton, but with no obligation or option to buy, just a 500k loan fee. Um what do you think about that one? Because I, I'm i stuck on Minamino in the fact that he's not been given enough chances, in my opinion. He's he's had a few. But since that Palace game, he's other than the Villa kids one, he's literally not played. So it's really weird. It's really weird. The treatment of him has been really weird. But obviously, Klopp doesn't think he's good enough. Could he find his way back into a strong point in the Liverpool squad? if, if he Will he consistently play with um, Southampton and get himself back in the mix with Liverpool? What do you think? I don't know where he'd play. Where would he play at Southampton? Because they can't drop chairs or Danny's. He's going play rotation, I think. He is very versatile. Yeah, he can play can wing. Play wing Cam. Cam, but do they play a Cam? I thought they normally play 4-4-2, four, four, don't they? 4-4-2, four, four, yeah. yeah. So well, I don't know where he fits, but... If he gets a couple of goals, a couple of good performances, maybe he'll get given a chance. But I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he's good enough for Liverpool. But you say you don't think he's good enough, but I, I don't. He's been played number one a lot of the time. He's played this season. He's been played as centre mid. Minamino's not a centre midfielder. He just isn't. So he's playing in the and the position he played in the right position was he played in the front three against Palace and he proved his worth and he had a really good game. Obviously, everyone else had a really good game that day because we smashed them. But Minamino's not been given good opportunities or a chance in the team really whereas he's given Origi plenty of opportunities and he's still he's still sticking with Origi which Origi had a good game against West Ham he did I think the best thing for Minamino is to move on and get a loan but I'm glad I'm, I'm glad they're not got option to buy because I still think he deserves another chance in this Liverpool team not had long enough it's been a weird year he's basically playing the, he's had to, he didn't know the language he's come into a team during basically during a, a pandemic well, there's no fans either, so it's a very weird situation for him. And I just think he, this, he, I hope he plays at Southampton, plays well, and comes back to Liverpool a better player and, and shows why he should be in this Liverpool team or at least given a go. Especially when you have got Jota, so when Jota's fit and one of the front three isn't firing, Jota would play. But I don't think a front three of Minamino, Jota, and Salah would be bad. Uh, we haven't seen that really. So I think. And like Firmino's had plenty of times this season where he hasn't played that well. Same with Mane, where Minamino could have come in. Against Burnley, Minamino could have played, but he didn't. Played Origi. Um, so I just think Shakiri's one, though, that has proven a bit like... Shakiri was a bit like Minamino. It kept looking like Shakiri was getting injured or left out. Klopp didn't like him. And he's worked his way, worked hard, worked his way back into this Liverpool setup. And he's now getting lots of opportunities. And he played really well against Southampton. So yeah. I think... Not Southampton against West Ham, even because um, he didn't play well against Southampton Shakiri when he came on. But um, no, I think Minamino hopefully gets a chance at Southampton and, and proves his worth. It's the best way to uh, get into the Liverpool team, isn't it? Play for Southampton. Yeah, he might. Yeah, it'll be it'll be amazing, and he'll, he'll never leave the team now. <laughs> Southampton's our academy. <laughs> no, I, I like Southampton. And thankfully, yeah. Barcelona have stopped being uh, our parent club. Yeah, well, you say that, but Van Alden might be moving there, so it's not not really. As long as Van Dyke doesn't leave, um, but no, other than that, 
there's been a couple of transfers here and there. We got Kadir. Pardon? Tomori. Yeah, it's AC Milan. Um, Kadir to her to Berlin. DeAndre Yadlin left Newcastle. They've got good players here, Berlin. Yeah, they do. Gwen Doozy's done all right since then. Um, Cunha as well. He's quite good. The, the Cam. They've got that Christoph Piatek that was amazing. Uh, yeah, he's dropped off there, hasn't he? But the biggest transfer we haven't spoke about yet is Barnsley's new striker, Matt. Who is that? Barnsley, Andy Longer. Um, I've got, I've got to be honest. I've, I've got to make sure I pronounce his name right. Uh, he's come from the MLS. He's come from Orlando City. Um, you spell it. It's called Daryl DK. Now you spell his last name D I K E. So obviously that's led to uh, much, uh, much hilarity, shall we say? But no, apparently it is pronounced DK. Um, he's American um, from the MLS um, of Nigerian descent. Um, he's going to play. He's going to play Barnsley number ten. Uh, take a bit of pressure off uh, Collywood Row. Uh, Badly like to play. Um, the, I mean, obviously it's one of those formations. It's very fluid. But they play with wing back. They play three at the back, two wing back, two in centre mid, and then three up top. Obviously, when they're defending, it becomes five at the back. When they're going forward, it becomes four in midfield. Um, but the thing is, the Collywood Row is their top scorer, um, but they haven't really got a lot of reinforcement. They've got a fella called Victor Adebayo, who's a bit of a cult figure. He's very popular um, like, amongst like, the fans. Who's that? The occult figure like Divock Origi was a couple of seasons back with Liverpool. Oh no, he ain't gonna know that big yet. He ain't gonna know that big. But they, they just they just call it they call him Big Vic, and they just they, just very, they, they like him because um, he's quite heavy set. He's quite a, a big fella. Um, he scored a very decent goal actually against Preston. I'm not sure if it was Ben Davis that he muscled off the ball. Um, but he's got a good goal against Preston when I saw them. Um, but yeah, it's just about providing that extra little bit of, of backup and making sure that Woodrow hasn't got to play every single minute of every single game. Obviously, he's there undisputed number nine. But yeah, get get this fellow in. He's a six month loan. Um, while the obviously the MLS isn't happening at the moment, um, won't be for a couple of months. But then he's, he's loaned, and then obviously he'll move back in the summer. Um, yeah, um, he's. That's all it's about, really. He is the, the backup man. Um, but it's, the really good thing, actually, is he's, um, uh, he's, he's only 20. Um, Harry, when's your birthday? July. July. Oh, I was wondering, he's, he's born in June 2000. So, so he's my basically my age, because I'm 21 in July. So Yes, he will be 21 in June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's Barnsley very much at the moment got focused on youth. They've got the youngest squad in the championship, which is really, really good to see. Um, and yeah, that, that's all it's about, really, just getting in that extra bit of uh, backup um, in the hope that they can push on and do something. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, there's been some not breaking news, but the teams, right? So this is the night of the Arsenal Wolves game. So we'll see a Wolves versus Arsenal, see how that one goes. And after my comments at Wolves, I might have people coming through my throats. But they've changed their lineup again. So they've got Neto playing left wing back, which is very interesting. Uh, Tomatoes back to right wing back. Same back three. So Bolly, Cody, Kilman, then Neves, Matinho, then Podence, Willian, and Adama up front. Is Odegaard starting for Arsenal? Nope. He is on the bench. And oh, he's on the bench. Is unchanged apart from Saka comes in for Martinelli. So oh, Arsenal, I think, will win that game. Um, I mean, he's back on the bench. Where, where as well. Three personal issues, which is good. 
Yeah, Bamiang's back on the bench as That's well. That's quite surprising he goes straight in. Who goes straight in? Bamiang. It just shows how good Pepe's been recently. Yeah, Pepe has been good. Yeah. It's the best mm. he's had as an Arsenal player, in my opinion. But what, I think what we need to move on now, we've not got loads of time now. What we need to move on now is to the NBA. We're going to finish off with a 10, five, 10 minute conversation about the NBA. We don't personally know loads about it, but it's interesting. We're a quarter way through the season, aren't we, Matt? We are. Take it, we are. Take it, um, away. take it away. Shortened season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, shortened season due to COVID. Uh, usually we would have 80 odd game season. We've got 72 um, this time around, which is not much shorter, but just, just enough. Um, so, yeah, most, most teams um, have played somewhere in the region of 15 to 20 games. Um, and we're, we're starting to get a bit of an idea um, of who's going to be the, the movers and shakers, as it were, in, in this season. Um, but, yeah, we've um, very much got Philadelphia 76ers um, with Joel Embiid in centre. Uh, look, look particularly good. Um, which is a shame because uh, this, this is a, a shout out to my friend Alex who uh, first got me into basketball in the NBA. He supports the Boston Celtics uh, and so, so do I. Um, and unfortunately, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics are uh, the Liverpool and Manchester United. You think it's that big? Of the NBA. Boston and LA is the big rivalry. Yeah, big so. rivalry but there is definitely a a passionate uh, so is it more like Liverpool Liverpool Everton so Liverpool Everton is the Philadelphia uh, Boston and then Boston LA is Liverpool United it's a rivalry it's a rivalry we'll just put it at that I mean I don't know if you can compare it can you but it's yeah they're definitely a bit where they don't they they don't like each other we'll put it that way Um, but yeah I mean they're they're doing quite well Uh, Boston Celtics they're not as good but look okay um which is good actually because when I was chatting to, to Alex, he was uh, suspected that they might struggle um, when they, they've lost um, a fellow called Gordon Hayward, uh, who's gone to Charlotte, you know, Charlotte Hornets, who are owned by Michael Jordan. Um, and um, they've got Lamelo Ball, haven't they? Long Lamelo Ball, and, and, and he looks. Like, I say I don't know much about NBA. I, I do follow it a bit. Like I know the draft and yeah, well, I, need, I know the teams. Like I know Boston Celtics' main player is Jason Tatum, a youngster that's Jason Tatum. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Taco Fall. Do you know Taco Fall? Yeah, I've heard of Taco Fall. Taco Fall is. Um, I'll have to Google exactly how tall he is, but he is the. I know we're all, you know, the average height in the NBA is probably something like six foot eight. Taco Fall, his height, he is. He is currently one of the tallest living humans. Drum roll. Seven foot five, which is two two meters 26 in. uh, Seven foot five. So, yeah, he's uh, he's a bit of a. uh, Talking about court figures, yeah, he's he's a bit of a uh, popular one. Uh, But no, so, so, yeah, Boston Celtics, the. In, in and among the fringes, might do something. Not going to fail drastically, uh, but no, the, the definite big teams that we've got are definitely the two LA teams. Obviously, Lakers have got um, I forgot his name, LeBron James, um, biggest star in the league out of anyone. Uh, Clippers, Los Angeles Clippers, not too far behind. But for me, uh, the, the, um, my pick to win it uh, with a bit of assistance from Alex, I'd Brooklyn Nets. Um, that's what I was gonna. I was gonna ask you about the Brooklyn Nets because 
So there was a lot last season. Kevin Durant was out injured. They they were known for signing old, proven, and they've done it again. They've got James Harden now, haven't they? Well, yeah. I mean, he's um, he, he is comfortably one of you know, maybe maybe just behind LeBron, um, Only, the best I, player in the league. What's your What's your opinion on Steph Curry? Is he in the conversation I mean, for the goat? Because obviously, I I think after watching the last dance, I'm a classic casual fan. Michael. Well, Jordan. yeah. The, the, um, the Warriors have obviously they've, they've had a fair share of injuries, so they struggled last year um, because because they got injured. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had he had an absolutely brilliant game at the beginning of this season, um, which I took great delight in rubbing in Alex's face because he's in my uh, ESPN fantasy basketball team. Um, but yeah, the thing that really always surprises me about the NBA is just how brilliantly talented they are. They can put a ball in a basket, in, in a hoop, from pretty much anywhere on that court. Maybe well, hinge, not right back. But... On, really. NBA hinges on mistakes. If somebody sure? doesn't get sure? it, it it's uh, so block. Back and forth, yeah. a blocks as well. There's skill there, that's yeah. not what I mean. But a lot of the, because they're so skilled and there's so many points scored. It takes a, a little minor mistake to miss a basket or a couple of baskets, and suddenly they're behind, and it's hard to get back. Because if a team's on a roll, I, I'm not—I don't know basketball that well, but I know when I played NBA 2K20, I found it quite tough. If you go, a couple yeah, behind, I, I've played the video game a bit. I don't like playing the video game because it is very tough. It is, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the fact that it, the skill and obviously. The, the teams are so small, you know, you only start with five, the, the squads are only made up of 15, I know there's, there's 30 teams in the NBA, um, but you know, the, um, there's only 15 players per team, so it's a very, very select group, I know obviously basketball is bigger elsewhere in the world, but it's not like American football, where if you're not in the NFL, you're nothing, you know, you, you can be in Europe and you can be in elsewhere, um, but it's just that it is a very, very select group and you do have to be supremely talented to make it into one of those starting five. You do. Yeah, I, I think, obviously, Lewis and Nathan, Not it's not your favourite basketball. Uh, basketball isn't your favourite sport even. Not your favourite basketball. What am I talking about? Um, but we spoke about it the other day in a lecture. Um, what do you think about the culture? Could you ever, ever get into basketball? Would you be more likely to get into basketball or American football? I like American football. I just like American sport. I like the whole atmosphere around American sports more than the. I like. I don't know. I just. I think I could more. It's just the time zones. I just. It's just annoying how late they are. That's why I don't really watch it. That's interesting. You said the atmosphere because I'm. I'm a. I like. I'm not a Brexit British guy. Don't worry. That's not what I mean. But I am a. I love the British atmosphere behind sports. So. Uh, football or rugby ground, the British. I mean, the British, um, yeah, the, the, the British atmosphere. I mean, we, we like to laugh at uh, what you might call the American atmosphere. I think when, when you say the, the American atmosphere, Nathan, do you mean like the, the fan entertainment and the fact that the crowd are usually quite quite boisterous and that, that's really good? The, the funniest thing Fingy. is when you hear yeah. exactly what the crowd is saying, um, because I went to a, um, an elite, a, a nice hockey league match um, in this country, uh, Nottingham against Cardiff Devils. Um, and one of the guys that I went with, um, I went with Alex, who I was just talking about, uh, but the other guy I went with, 
he was he uh, seen a chant. He was teaching me. It's called "I Believe That We Will Win," and I'd yeah. never heard of it. This is about three years ago. I'd never heard of it, and so he directed me to this YouTube video, which is a load of university students at college basketball, literally just call and repeat, "I I believe," all the way to "I believe that we will win." And Mate, that it's. It's, it's so different to what you have over here. It's tragic. The crowd just thinking, I believe that we will win. Is I, it, To me, it's tragic. But I'm not saying I love hooliganism or anything, but I do love a British atmosphere ground. Like, Yeah. I think, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. That's, that's just, I've always been somebody that likes the British culture of sport. I've never really got into American sports. Other than, like I said, I, I'd watch the Super Bowl every, like, every year. So that's that's coming up soon, but... Not yeah, I think I think we could we could wrap it up there, fellas. Um, as Lewis has said, his laptop's on his last legs, so uh, I think it's it's a good point to finish there. NBA, I think as we move through the podcast and through the season, NBA could be. I'm, I'm going to do some more research on it. I think you two fellas at the bottom, you, you could as well, and maybe we could track this season if it's shorter. I I just think with American sports, I'm really bad at following the season, but when it comes to to the playoffs or that's why I, that's why i love the playoffs in the championship i love the playoffs in the championship as well i quite like that model and i like the model of in german football where they have the playoff from the yeah, the, yeah. Division to the uh top division because i think we were talking earlier about english the english game we could talk about it in another podcast because they don't have much time left but in the English game, they wanted, the top teams want to change it. They were going to change it. I'd quite like to keep the 20 teams, but 18th position. So Fulham play Brentford in third position or whoever's in third in the championship. See who... Well, who did they do a playoff? Like do the like championships teams still do a playoff? And then they face the yeah. third The winners of the playoffs would play 18th. Yeah, the winners of the playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's better. So play 18th. I like that. I think we should wrap up on that note. Um, I'd like to just say again, rest in peace to Captain Tom Moore. Um, finish on that as well. Thank you for everything he did for the NHS. And we're all going for a really tough time at the moment. So again, like I said in a previous episode, especially after hearing some news again, that COVID's got a new strain or a, a new mutation. So it's not the most positive news. If anyone wants to reach out, like I said, if you want to watch the episode where we spoke about mental health, um, it's been really important to stick together through, during these times. And I think Captain Tom Moore was somebody that bolstered a lot of people's mental health. I know that he, it was pretty amazing to watch when I, I was following what was happening when he was walking around his garden at 99 years of age at the time. So just like to say rest in peace to him. And again, with the mental health, if anyone wants to reach out to any of us, even if you're just our mates and personally, you want to speak to us about it, no hesitation there because we're all going through some tough times. Thank you very much for everyone for their support on the previous episodes. Um, I think we're going to have some discussions. We've, we've made a bit of a change up. Lewis is here now and we're going to have some discussions over. We did a quiz in a recent episode. If you want to go back to that, it's in episode three. We're going to change the way we do that, I think. And there's going to be some discussions on, on the way we do quizzes. So there might be a quiz in either the next episode, episode six, which will be out next week or we could be doing would you guys rather episodes uh, quizzes in episodes or separate videos of just quizzes so let us know if you if you watch this let us know what your opinion on that thank you very much and see you guys soon